Welcome to the Extraordinary Educators Podcast. Your hosts, Danielle Sullivan, National Director at Curriculum Associates, and Sari Labaris, Social Communications Manager at Curriculum Associates, are here to share actionable tips, best practices, and success stories to improve your classroom and drive student learning. Enjoy, and thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. It's Danielle. Hey, everyone. It's Sari, and welcome back to the Extraordinary Educators Podcast. We know there is a lot happening right now, and we hope we can provide you with insights, tips, best practices, and breathing room from the critical work you do. We are here to support teaching and learning wherever it is taking place. And with us today, we are super excited to have Anne, an extraordinary educator from Rhode Island, with us on the show. So Anne, welcome. And if you don't mind just introducing yourself, tell us who you are, where you where you teach, um, how long you've been teaching, and anything else you want to include. Thank you very much. You know I'm honored and humbled to be part of the Extraordinary Educators um, class this year. So thank you for having me. Of course. I teach in Exeter, West Greenwich. It's a rural school district in Rhode Island. I teach third grade. I had been at that school for 30 years. And prior to that, I taught in Dallas, Texas for two years. So I've gone from the big city to um, the country. I just love what I'm doing. This year, I am teaching remotely. So we had choices at our school and um, we had about a third of our students choose remote learning, and that's what I'm doing. That's so great. And for those of you listening, I know you can't see Anne like we can, but uh, she has converted her son's childhood bedroom into her uh, remote classroom, and it is just amazing to see. It looks like she's in a classroom right now. You would never know that she is at her house. So <laughs> thank you, Anne. We're super excited to dive in. So um, we know you're really passionate about using data to drive instruction and just big picture. We would love to hear how you're doing that this year, particularly because you're not with your kids face to face. So has it changed at all? If so, how? If not, what are you what are you doing? As usual, data drives my instruction every single day. I have a gigantic folder. <laughs> and what I do every day when I'm taking notes about my kids work. And if things are not looking okay, I'm pulling kids in to do RTI. I already has some great lessons for um, kids who need extra help. I was so excited at that last math conference, the virtual math summit. I learned about the prerequisite pieces. Um, I use a lot of instructional grouping pieces with my RTI kids. Um, so constant, constantly keeping tabs on where they are and what they're doing. Well, I'd love to hear about your data digs too, because you were telling us about how you really help. I mean, first off, it's awesome that you're so into data and helping it make it uh, make it come alive. And if um, you're listening, I wish you could see her background because you can just see everything come alive. So maybe we can include some pictures in the show notes because it's I'm I'm living for this pizza board that you have behind you. Yeah, and the power so love of here. that and the shapes and everything. Oh, all of it. It's like the best thing I've seen all day. So and oh, a long time. <laughs> so I would love to know how did you structure data digs and then how has it changed in the virtual environment? Okay, well, about five years ago, our school hired a consultant to come in and teach us about data digs, how to get to the root of our problems and how to solve them. Um, when I was doing these data digs with our iReady data, 
it was actually shocking. And I was so excited to be like, I can fix this. I do a presentation a lot of times that for our student teachers, and it's called Analyze, Strategize, Act. And that's what I learned about data digs. So I go in and I analyze all my data. One of the projects that I did was I went in and found out that data and measurement was my lowest strand. Me, who loves data, <laughs> died when I realized that was the root of my problem with my class data. And at that time, I had the co-taught class. And I knew that my students were afraid of graphs. They saw a test and they would skip over them. It was hard for them to understand. So I wanted to give my students some um, authentic experience, building graphs and um, trying to figure out analyzing the data and interpreting the data. So what I did was I enlisted the help of the rest of my team. There were six of us on the team. And it just so happened that strand was also the lowest in everyone else's class. So they jumped on board with this. What I did, let's say it was Halloween. We did it the first time for Halloween. Everyone read a Halloween book, the same book. Everyone's class was posed the same survey question. Um, what is your costume going to be? Something scary, something funny, whatever it was. Everything was color coded, the same colors on the graphs. I made up all the graphs. They were on huge chart paper. One was a circle graph. One was a pictograph. One was a tally graph. One was a bar graph, all the different kinds of graphs. I think we even had two classes do a double bar graph. Then what we did was we took over an empty classroom and created a, um, a grade-wide data wall. We got to go into the data wall and analyze each other's graphs and talk about, well, in this class, you know, the blue was funny. Lots of lots of kids had funny in three classrooms, but in two classrooms, you know, this was scary was the most popular. Um, we started to notice that kids were talking about data out on the playground and that got us really excited. So everybody said, let's do it again. So I did one about friendship with the six classes. Then we would go inside the data wall and we would discuss and analyze. The kids started taking off with graphing on their own. I remember I got a text from the music teacher and she said, Anne, your kids are graphing how long their recorder notes are being held. And she's like, who does this? Well, <laughs> our kids just loved data and loved graphing. Um, and so that was one project that I did. Another, we did that data wall three times and I've done it a couple years in a row. This year I'm at home. So you can see behind me, I do have lots of different data collection pieces. We did one yesterday. You guys are talking about my pizza board, but we did this one yesterday where we read a story about um, pizza toppings and then they had to choose their favorite topping. And I have like a little clip, clip to represent their vote. So constantly taking um, data. And what you can't see because you're listening, she totally showed us this really cute pizza, giant pizza where she had clips next to cheese, meatballs, sausage. So hopefully we can include a picture of that too, because again, it's just great ways to make the data come alive. And I'm loving everything you're talking about. I mean, how cool is it that students are connecting graphing to Halloween costumes and making it really so they see themselves in the math. I love that so much. 
And it was a lot of fun to do that where they could compare their classroom with someone else's and then realize they were part of a whole, you know, a part of a whole. Um, one project we did with graphing was um, we did, what was it? Opinion writing. And we had to come up with a problem in the school and the kids said the bathrooms needed to be painted, that they were gross in the hallway. So we told our principal and she said, I'll give you some paint chip colors because they convinced her through their opinion writing that this <laughs> needed to happen. So she brought in a bunch of paint strips and I put them up on paper and every third grader came into my room and voted. And it was just a great way. It was another huge kind of data wall. It was a great way to show her um, how the kids voted and collected the data. And guess what? The bathrooms and the hallways got painted based on that project that the third graders did. Another pro. Look at <laughs> you're so funny. Damn, it just like can't stop, won't stop. I mean, it's it's unbelievable, and I think just the fact that kids are understanding like the real life connection because that's that's why we teach math, right? Yes, it's important for them to classify three D shapes or understand decimals, but really, it's like so they can be successful in whatever they're doing later, and just for them to understand like that their vote means something, or that they're part of a whole, or that you know they can apply it to their music class is just so much better than anything they're ever going to see on a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's just, it's just really inspiring. And you just have so many exam examples. I feel like it's, it's so, okay, it's so my helpful. favorite one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we did another data dig and the next round of testing. And now that my data and measurement scores went up as did everyone else's now third grade was lacking in the geometry area. Um, so I took it upon myself to start looking through catalogs and trying to figure out how I was going to buy all of this stuff. I know that third graders need to touch things. Worksheets are not going to do it um, to teach geometry. So I decided I needed some money and I started to comb through different grants and came upon NCTM's Met Board grants. There's one for the um, helping the understanding of geometry. I was like, this is it. And I applied for that grant with my whole team in mind. I won. I was so excited. I found out on Valentine's Day, so right around the same time. And my father was a math teacher, and I swear that was his Valentine to me. Oh. <laughs> so anyway, I won about $4,200 to outfit six classrooms with geometry materials, including um, literature, math literature, to solidify those concepts and vocabulary in the classroom. So after having all these amazing materials in the classroom that the kids could manipulate and handle and um, us trying to infuse some geometry all through the year, up went the scores in geometry. So that it's is so exciting. It's just, you are a perfect example of what it really means to have data-driven instruction come to life. It's just so refreshing because a lot of times, like, I mean, again, you couldn't see it, but she showed us her amazing data binder. It's like four inches thick where she's taking <laughs> notes on students. So like, this is real. There's no joke here, people. Like she's legit data-driven instruction. But a lot of times when you hear those words, it sounds so dry, but you are making it joyful, come alive and fun. And then that is what it's about. Those, your students are going to remember this data for their entire life I'm versus 
just being able to see maybe a score. So I just thank you for doing this for kids. They need it more than ever. And I'm like I said, you're making today. Today we're recording it on National Pizza Day. Who knew that was even a thing? <laughs> it's not going to be released on National Pizza Day, but oh, there's like she's she's holding up pizza pieces, pizza pizzas. Uh, one of the things I want to tell you about in my geometry grant, something I'm really passionate about is math literature. And every classroom received, I believe, 10 books about geometry. And Cindy Neuschwander's books were among them. And I just put it on my Twitter yesterday about we did shapes with um, circumference and the first round table. Now, I have to tell you about math literature and me. It's my passion. I love it. And one of the things I used to always find is how do I get these kids to use math vocabulary? And I found through reading the story and then talking about the story, it was magical. And one little boy stood up on his knees and he screamed at me right out loud. He said, Mrs. Barber, every time you read a book to us in math class, we all know exactly what it's about. How do you do that? You make math magical. And that's the name of my grant. And that is hanging up in my classroom at school. That well, we should, that'll be the title of this episode. Yeah. Math I have magical. No words. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But we would talk to you all day. This everything you're doing is so wonderful. We thank, thank you, you so much. Um, any parting advice for educators as they listen to this podcast? Any words of wisdom? in this time and beyond? Um, I think yesterday was really interesting for me as a distance learning teacher. I went and shared some of my ideas with student teachers from the University of Rhode Island. And one of them raised her hand virtually, we were on Zoom, and she said, that's not what distance learning looks like in my school. And I said to her, here's your chance to change what it looks like. So. Have fun, read math literature, do some graphing, <laughs> and enjoy yourself. Engage those kids. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Anne. You are such an inspiration. You just this this flew by, and I feel like I, I wish you were my teacher right now. I'm like I'm ready to like learn math and graph. And you know? oh my gosh, I know. Can we sign up and attend your <laughs> sessions too? <laughs> Anytime. Anytime. Uh, well, thank you so much for what for today, for every day, and and for just being such a positive light and just really shifting the mindset around like, oh, remote learning, this is so hard. Just this is your chance. Just make it fun. Have fun. And I think once you let go of the expectations you have for yourself, you're able to really fly. And that's what you've created in your virtual classroom. So thank you for that. It was a pleasure thank talking you. to you. It was nice to see you guys. Of course. Yes. And you can follow along as always on Twitter at Curriculum Asoche. And we'll link Anne's Twitter as well in our uh, in the show notes and on Instagram at MyIready. And please be sure to tag us in your posts so we can see the great things happening in your classroom. This is about you. We are here for you. So until we meet again, be you, be true, be extraordinary. This podcast is produced by Curriculum Associates and is the copyrighted material and intellectual property of Curriculum Associates.